Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Are we good? Am I loud enough? No? Yes? Okay. Um, I always like to start off by asking this simple um, and yet honest question. Um, how's everybody doing? You good? And listen, it's okay if you're not. Well, that's why we're here. Um, thanks for introducing me, Pastor Steve. But yeah, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Chapel North Shore. And um, if you wanted to chat after the sermon, I'd love to meet with you, pray with you, get to know you. And so we're just going to get right into it. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 15. If you don't have your Bible, um, our ushers in the back will give you a Bible. Just keep your hands up. Luke 15. Amen? Amen. If you weren't here two weeks ago or two Sundays ago, here's a quick update. Pastor Steve just said, I decided to break this prodigal son story into two sermons. The reason I wanted to do this is because there are two brothers in this story. If you guys ever read through this uh, parable. And so oftentimes when this parable is being preached or it's being taught, I mean, every time I heard it, the younger son is emphasized much more than the older son, and he doesn't really get a lot of the spotlight. And so what we're going to do this morning is just, it's, it's not long, but we're going to camp out on the latter half of this parable. See, the first half of this story actually ends in verse 24. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 15, and now a new scene begins in verse 25. But for the sake of seeing the whole picture, I want us to start back at verse 11. And so if you please bear with me once more, let's read this entire story from the beginning verse, which is verse 11. You're going to have to bear with me because I'm up here. It goes like this. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat, and let's celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your truth and I thank you for your love that not only welcomes us in but also at times corrects us. That's a good thing. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would search our hearts, search my heart, and I pray that you would speak to us so clearly and we would just receive that invitation once more. And I pray that we would just respond rightly. I pray that we would be encouraged after this message, Lord God. And so we're here waiting humbly as your children. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I mentioned the other week that this parable was a parable that was really um, close to my heart. I've admitted to all of you here that I myself identify with the younger son in this story. Remember that? If you were here. Like, I went hard after my own desires. Hard. I did what I wanted to do. I chased what I wanted to chase. And over the years, it felt like I was moving further and further and further and further away from home. Right? But by God's grace, I came to my senses. Like, you came to your senses. Like there came a moment in my life where I couldn't see myself doing this for much longer. And so there came a day. There came a day where the Lord met me in my lostness. Now I'm sure most of us can say, hey, that's my story. Right? Like that's my story. And that's a beautiful story because it paints the picture of the gospel. Lost sinners who are saved by a loving God. Now, if you read through Luke chapter 15, you would see that there are three parables in this chapter. And these three parables actually share a common theme, actually the same theme. They were lost and they were found. They were lost and they were found. And at the end of each finding, we also see celebration and rejoicing. There's celebration and then there's rejoicing. And if there's anything that Luke the writer was trying to tell us in this chapter, it's this. Ready? God rejoices over his children. 
And I don't think as Christians we hear that enough, so I'm going to say it again. God rejoices over you. And not because of anything you've done, but simply because you're his. Now, as much as I love a good ending, Jesus doesn't do that here. In fact, in this last parable, Jesus addresses another set of people, which is actually in verse 2. Another type of lostness, one that isn't so easily seen like the prodigal who left his home. You see, this type of lostness is much more subtle. It's not as visible outwardly, but inwardly, it's just as deadly. Now, I'm not an expert on this topic, but I'll give you what I got. And this week, I was doing my study on the older brother, and last week, like I seen my check engine light come on, not my truck. What I mean by that is God began to search my heart and expose a lot of older brother tendencies. I tell LPK all the time, I call him like, dude, I suck. <laughs> He's like, I know, nah. <laughs> in fact, the more I studied, the more I realized how much we actually had in common. It was almost embarrassing for me to say that this morning, but like it's crazy how similar we can be at times. You ever had that happen to you? Like, that's not me, only to realize, oh yeah, that's me. That's what happened. And so if you don't know my story, I came here about eight years ago, and I got radically saved. Came to a ministry called U-Turn for Christ. Yeah. And after some time there, Pastor Keone decided to put me into a position of leadership. But what I felt myself go through, if I can be honest with you, was a transition. You see, I went from the wayward son to the one who never left home. And during that time, I seen myself go from two extremes. I went from going hard after my own desires, like I just said, to now being obedient and doing the right thing. And so if you've seen me outwardly, you would think, oh my goodness, there must be a God. <laughs> right? Like, what a transformation. But what everyone could see on the outside wasn't as noticeable as what was actually going on in the inside. You see, on the inside, there became this slow but growing resentment towards life. I was becoming increasingly bitter, increasingly frustrated, which is a nice word for angry. And I started to feel myself become more and more and more and more entitled the longer I stayed. Like, it felt hard for me to be there sometimes. Like, it's almost as if I forgot why I was there. So honestly, I started to feel lost at home. And so we had our annual pig roast. If you don't know what that is, I'm just going to explain it like this. It's a time of celebration, and it's a time of rejoicing. This is where all the U-turns get together, start ordaining pastors, and there is a day just set for worship. Constant worship. And so as I sat there, I was reminded of when I first came in, seeing all the people sitting in the front, men and women. I was reminded of one thing. It was the joy of coming home. But you see, somewhere along my walk, I chose obligation and duty over love and worship. 
That's what happened. And so once again, God presented me with another invitation to come home. And trust me, that wasn't the first time. And so over the past two weeks, I've been reading this book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Anybody heard, of, heard about that book? So good. My sister-in-law gave it to me like two years ago. And I didn't pick it up until recently. But I'm glad I finally did. It was written by a, na- a man named a man named Henry Nouwen. It's spelled that way, but I'm pretty sure it's spelled or it's pronounced honorary. He's a French guy. But if you ever have a chance to get your hands on a copy, I would highly encourage you to do so. The Return of the Prodigal Son. But the section that I read over and over and over again was the story of the elder son, the one who never left home, the obedient one, the hard worker. He was the model son. The son who resembled his father in many different ways, from the clothes he wore to the house he lived in. But you see, when it was time to share in the father's joy, when it was time to celebrate the return of his younger brother, there was no resemblance. None. And guess what? The heart was exposed. Right here in this chapter, a different type of lostness began to appear. One that is so deeply hidden, but given the right circumstances, it'll start to show itself. I just want to read a commentary. It went like this. It's easy to see how lost the prodigal son was, but do you see how lost the older brother was? He was as lost as his little brother, maybe even more lost because he was lost on the inside and not on the outside. Therefore, nobody could tell how lost he really was. Even though he had never left the family farm, he abandoned the father's heart. And thus, he was lost in his own home. Here's what I want to say this morning. Pretty simple message. I believe all Christians have a tendency to get lost. All Christians have a tendency to get lost. Whether you are the one on the outside or the one sitting right here this morning, I believe all Christians have been both brothers at some point in their lives. You see, we can be both the prodigal who runs far away from home, and we can be the older brother who is offered joy but settling for duty. We can be both sinners who are saved by grace, now saints who rarely see our need for it. Like, when's the last time you've been to the altar? Genuine question. Here's another one. We can be both sinners saved from our sin, now saints who judge others that confess theirs. See what I mean about that check engine light thing? And for some of us here this morning, we may have come in with a heart of gratitude, like it began that way. But today, that same heart is shallow. But it wasn't always like that. In fact, maybe at one point, our hearts were full because we were reminded of all that Jesus had done for us. But now that's switched. The central theme of our lives today is look at all that I do for him. And this heart that was once filled with thanksgiving has now been filled with continuous complaints. You won't say it, but deep down, you think you deserve better. And because you don't get what you think you are owed, there's a resentment. 
There's a growing bitterness towards everyone and everything in life. And so here's what it is. This is the message. You see, somewhere along the lines, we stopped believing we were bad people in desperate need of grace. And now today, we think we are good people who deserve a better reward. Listen to me. If the enemy can't get you to leave home, he will meet you there. If the enemy can't get you to leave the house, he will meet you right at home. If the enemy can't corrupt us morally, he will try to elevate whatever righteousness we think we have. You see, even though at one point we may, has, we may, came, we may have came in as the wayward son, broken and humbled, over time we might have grown into the older brother, proud and self-righteous. And so I just want to look at the older brother's complaint again in verse 29. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you. This type of language is slavery. So many years I have been slaving for you. And I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me even a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him? And so once again, I just want to ask this question. How are you doing? And what I mean by that, how have you been? I know it may not be an easy thing to admit it, but do you feel any of the things mentioned before this? It's okay to be honest. Let me just get straight to the point. Have you been angry with God lately? Are you frustrated because then he hasn't treated, the way, uh, treated you the way you think you deserve to be treated? Like I come to church every week. I work hard and do what I'm told to do. I stay overtime if I have to. I serve once in a while because Pastor Steve is always telling me to get in the game. I even say all the right things like praise the Lord, hallelujah. And because you do all the right things and you say all the right things, do you feel that you deserve better? In your heart, do you feel like you deserve more? I mean, you won't say it, but in your heart, you feel that God owes you something. And if that can be our posture towards him, what is our attitude towards others? Like, how does it make you feel when your brothers and sisters are the ones being favored and blessed? Serious question. Are you happy for them? Do you choose to rejoice over them like your heavenly father does? Do you celebrate them with a whole heart or do you quietly tell yourself, that should be me? I deserve that, not him. When is it my turn? I'm going to stop there. <laughs> and so my question for us this morning is this. I really like the older son. The other son is better. Like you come in, rejoice, boom. This is, yeah. My question for you this morning is this. Has the attitude of our hearts looked similar, maybe even identical to the elder son in this story? You don't have to tell me. And if so, are you content or are you tired? 
Are you ready to let go of resentment or will you continue holding on? You see, Jesus ends this parable without ever telling us whether or not the older son joins the party. We have no idea. But we know that the invitation is there. And we know that the father loved both sons equally. Because just as the father ran to meet the younger son out in the street, this father left the celebration in order to meet the older one. You see, there was nothing more important to him than to just have both sons at home, sitting at the same table. This guy Nowen wrote this in his book, and he said, resentment and joy cannot coexist together. Let me add another one. Gratitude and resentment cannot coexist together. Meaning this, you can either have resentment or you can have joy, but you can't have both. And so I remember sitting at the pig roast after a long year of work. Auntie Jean probably doesn't even know. I'm just sharing my heart. You go through stages there, like deep spiritual stages. <laughs> and I was reminded again of the joy when I first came home, like two weeks ago. Like I was just like ugly crying. See, I was reminded of a father who celebrates and rejoices over, over me, not because of anything I did, but simply because I'm his. I have a son now. So I know exactly what that feels like. You see, I'm not an expert on older brother behavior, but I do know however lost you may be, there's always an opportunity to be found. And even though resentful to his father, jealous toward his brother, he's still a son. You're still a son. And so today, your heavenly father again pleads with you, come home. Why sit outside when you can join the party? If I can have Pastor Austin and his worship team come up. I just want to read this because I've never seen it this way before. Maybe you have, I'm not sure. This parable told by Jesus, this isn't mine. This parable told by Jesus is really a story of three sons. There was a lost son who returned, a lost son who ran away and returned home. And there was the son who was lost at home. And lastly, there was the son who told the story. Jesus is the younger son who left his father's home to come and rescue sinners in a distant land. And he is also the true older brother that resembles the father's heart. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Not to condemn those who make their way back home, but to welcome them, embrace them, and celebrate them as they were once lost, but now they are found. If you would please stand. We're going to worship. If that's you this morning, guys, the invitation is super simple. Repent and come home. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in our place to die for our sins, Lord. 
thank you, God, that you not only saved us from death, but you have also given us life. God, you don't owe us every, anything. You gave us everything. And so this morning, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us again a heart of gratitude, that we would repent of any self-righteous behavior, and we would come back as that humbled son, broken and embraced by you. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. I pray that all, these, all of our hearts, Lord God, will once again turn back to you. Fill our hearts again with love and joy. And let us celebrate and rejoice because you are good. We want you, Lord, and nothing else. And so we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.